In this episode of The Ziggler Show, our focus is learning as opposed to just mere reading or hearing. So during this time of pandemic, I wanted to know where people were literally spending their hard-earned dollars toward business growth. And I asked the audience, what have you spent money on to learn about business or grow your business in the last 24 months? Books, courses, seminars and conferences, coaching or consulting or anything else. And there were many testimonies, especially to coaching and courses, but books ranked number one. And what Tom Ziegler and I got into was a discussion around taking in knowledge versus actually learning it, making positive change as a result of what we're exposed to. And it's a convicting message that you're going to hear. And it's convicting for all of us as I too am so eager just to jump to the next inspirational message or book and miss out on actually benefiting from the great knowledge I was just exposed to. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is The Ziggler Show, ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts, and our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My Motive podcast is devoted to clarifying the reasons that drive you. In episode 31, I bring you a paradigm shift with a motive for temporary failures, and I make a case for welcoming difficulty and temporary failures that come with doing anything of great value for our lives. My True Life podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. In episode 74, we dig into trauma, how it affects our health and what we can do about it. And we're joined by celebrity guest, Tana Amen, who along with her husband, Daniel Amen, runs the infamous Amen Clinics. Tana's first half of life was just besought with trauma. And today she's an established researcher on brain health. So an incredibly interesting episode in episode 74 of the True Life Podcast. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziggler himself about becoming a Ziggler coach. Tom, I almost always, as you know, have an agenda with the questions that I ask. And I did somewhat with this, but I was also literally just curious overall, but maybe maybe more curious too within the past year that we've been within, we're now over a year of this pandemic and asking this question. So, you know, what have you spent money on to learn about, uh, to learn about business or grow your business in the last 24 months? And I put examples, you know, books, courses, seminar conference, coach consulting, or, or other, and literally wanted to see where were people putting actual money. Now, before we hit on that though, I did have somebody, uh, you know what, let me just scroll down to him. Um, Jeff Bayless, he says, I spent money on all those things, mostly books, but one thing I think is missing from the list is time. Time is money. So if you're spending time on growth, there's an opportunity cost associated. So with that in mind, the thing I've spent the most money on is donating time to crafting the soft skills uh, for growth in his in his area. So I, would, I do want to put that out there. I don't want to discount the time that we put in. Obviously, yeah, it's an opportunity cost. And I know with me, like you, Tom, if I sit down to read, to take something in, I'm doing that at the cost of not my own production. So let's put time up there. Well, I don't know anything you want to say about that. Cause I was, I do obviously give a lot of value to what we actually spend money for 
because I feel like we're generally more invested in it. And maybe it's from that learning that we then go spend the time, but that's a relevant point. So as I asked about money to say time, I feel like there's some differentiating factors though in there. I mean, if you're spending time to actually get input that you're going to take action on, that's one thing. So maybe I'm minimizing somewhat the time that we just take in endless amounts of knowledge that maybe we don't take action on. Is that fair? hundred percent. Totally fair. Okay. Well, so maybe that's just on, on as far as the time, just to look at where is that being put because we're all spending time taking in input, but we could do that as positive entertainment that we're not really invested in on the money side though. I do put a big priority on that because what we invest in is what we make a priority. I know I did a show man a long time ago with my dad, Dan Miller, and he had, I don't know if he came up with this or if it was something that he had talked read about or whatever, but just like we talk about, you know, in the church tithing and everybody thinks of 10%, you tithe 10%. He came to investing 5% of our annual income, monthly annual, whatever in ourselves, in our growth. And that's pretty, I think most people do that. You're making 50 grand a year. That's saying $5,000 you should be spending on yourself, which that's a lot of books. That's usually it would be a lot of courses. Now, as you know, you can spend that in one sum with a, well, what with a coaching package, obviously with an event. Um, so depends where you're at. Hundred percent. I remember being young sales person at Ziegler. Uh, I think it was Tom Hopkins, and he said, "If you're in sales, you should take a percentage of your gross revenue. You know, whatever whatever it is your paycheck is. You know, not after taxes, not profit. You know, just a percentage of what you take home, and you should." pour a percentage of that into yourself for personal development. And then you should turn around and pour a percentage of that into your customers with mm-hmm. gifts and thank yous and extras. And it was such an interesting thing because, you know, let's say the number is 5% and, you know, you're making 50,000, that's 2,500 and you're going to go and spend on your customers and yourself when that's not a lot of money these days. (laughs) I mean, you know, Yeah. but it's the law of returns uh, and reciprocity and all those in, in sowing and reaping. So I remember one of our ZLCers are actually, I write about this in the book, choose to win. He decided he wanted to implement a goal setting, uh, a goal and implement goal setting in his company. And so his investment was time. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's do it. So the previous five years, his business had made 1.7 million. His goal was 2 million. He took all the time with me. He, He constructed the goal on his own. And then he marched towards that goal and he exceeded it. He hit 2.3 million. And so I asked him, I said, Hey, Michael, it, you know, I can understand going from 1.7 to 2 million. How did you go from 2 million to 2.3? And he said, Tom, honestly, it was working on my goals every day. Yeah. 
And I said, how long did you spend on those goals, right? Because here we're talking about an investment of time. And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, most people spend, or I should say invest, six to 10 minutes a day. Does that sound about right? He said, yeah, about eight minutes a day would be perfect. So I said, okay, follow me. You did an extra 300,000 from two to 2.3. You said that the reason was your time and your goals. You spent eight minutes a day. That's 240 minutes a month. He goes, yeah. Well, 25,000 a month is 300,000. It took you 240 minutes to get 25,000 in revenue. I said, you're making $100 in revenue for every minute you spend in your goals. That's powerful. Yeah. And so I think that's an excellent point is we need, we do need to break it down. Uh, I think there's a seven times return on your investment and education in yourself. And they've done tons and tons and tons of studies on it. So whether it's an online course or a college degree or all these different things, of course, there's always the exception. But in general, you get about a seven times return when you invest in yourself. You know, it's got me thinking of the multiple, Tom. Another multiple. Well, because so on this and I'm not going to go read through all of them. We had a ton of people. I mean, the majority, if we were to have ranked them, categorized them, books were number one. So number one thing that people are spending actual dollars on is books and to spend a book, average personal development book these days, I don't know, probably 15 bucks. They they come out 20, 25 bucks, but then they'll, you know, paperback gets less. So probably 15 bucks or so, 15, 20 bucks. And then you spend, I don't know, what is the average time to read a book? If the average personal development book is 60, 65,000 words, I actually have no idea. Four hours? Is that too small? Something like that? Well, I do audiobooks, so it tells me. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm listening to an audiobook right now that is 19 hours long. Well, it's really long. Well, give me an average, though, if you're reading. Uh, you, you know, like people talked about books. Atomic Habits by James Clear, man. It's at the top of the list right now. I think it's selling like mad. Not, not real big. Yeah, I think most books, depending on how fast you read, are going to be in that four to eight hour range. Four to eight hour. Around four. So now you've got me thinking more about the investment of time, which I should have thought more about in that. And now, you know, I did want to focus on money, but my gosh, yeah, I just spent two weeks on a getaway to finish my book. Now, I did do some work just to keep things floating in the meantime, but I took that out. That was a big opportunity cost. But if we go back to books, just the book. So if I spend 15 bucks on a book, 20 bucks on a personal development book, well, let's use, we'll use that because a bunch of people mentioned James Clear. He has the book Atomic Habits. I'll tell you, I have not seen a personal development book sell uh, like his in a long time. Every week, my literary agents send me the top, the bestseller list. And that guy's top five every day. So every week he is selling about 15,000 books. That's a lot of books every week. The only one that I've seen out sell that recently is, shoot, what is it? It's the the uh, the horse, the mole, the boy, and the. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't have it in no. front of me. Uh, hold on, the horse. Let's look at this. The horse, the mole. Yeah, this thing. Talk about a, a book that defies everything to me. What is it? The uh, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse by Charles McKessie. That thing's selling, Tom, about twenty thousand 
copies on average every week. Number one, nonfiction uh, paperback, maybe uh, it, that, uh, that's on. I don't know. Maybe it's just number one, number one nonfiction. So I get the number. So every, I just got them today. So every week that thing's selling on average, I'll see it at 15,000, 25,000, the book. So, you know, yeah, our books are supposed to be, you know, you just did your publishing deal. Mine wanted 60 to 65,000. I'm going to be a little bit over that. His book. I don't even know if it has a thousand words in it. 500. He's an artist. The guy's an artist. Got these really pretty drawings in it. Some of the pages may have six words, really sweet, uh, kind of funny, but really meaningful. I, I, it defies everything. You know, it's, it's personal development or nonfiction. It has just knocked it out of the park. Um, but the average book, let's go back to the average. So James clears right now with atomic habits. Let's say this is a four or five hour read. How powerful would it be to say with every book that we read, however long it takes us to read, maybe that's not fair because we read at different speeds, but however long it is, we spend a certain amount of time, even an hour, if we devoted one hour, now you devote one hour of time to implementing something, to journaling about it, to thinking through that, to reviewing it, to going, to saying, okay, that's a great, oh man, that's a great, we're real big on doing that, just like a movie. That's oh, a great book, man, you ought to read that. What did you learn out of it? What did you apply and that's, I say that and I'm not preaching. I have to tell myself that it's so easy to be excited about a book and then to get the next one. And the next one, as you know, Tom, they're endless. I've got a hundred books down here. I haven't read yet. And how much time do we spend opportunity cost on implementing them? That'd be a good thing to talk about, to come up with some equation. Yeah. If we should spend 5% of our income on our personal development, how much of our time should we spend implementing what we learned? I'll let you come up with that variable, Tom. You're, you're the math. You're, you're the detail guy with that. You can get, you can geek out on that one. Yeah. One of my, um, one of my goals is to try to take something that I learn every day and apply it in some way, either in a note to someone or in a training that I do. So I'm reading the book Boyd, and it's about the greatest Air Force pilot, the greatest innovator in the Air Force history. Uh, and what a maverick, what a renegade, what a anti-bureaucracy superhero this guy was. Uh, but here's what I learned from, that, from this book, and everybody's listening to this. Just remember this statement and really think it through. He's, what a Boyd saying was, and he probably didn't, he probably didn't originate the first time I ever heard it, is he was... Uh, kind of mentoring young officers or people who would uh, kind of fall under his command, he would say this, if a leader asks for your loyalty, give them your integrity. And if they ask for your integrity, give them your loyalty. Okay, break that down. So if a leader says, I care more about your loyalty than your integrity, hmm. only give them your integrity. And so he was putting, he was put in positions where he was asked to subtly and not so subtly fudge, right. fudge on reports. Hmm. And he always gave him his integrity and he said, especially generals at that time, when they asked you to do something, it would be a verbal command. And he would just say, yes, sir, put that in writing and I'll follow through. And they wouldn't, 
right? So he was giving him his integrity. And then he said, if, if a leader comes to you and says, what I need is your integrity, he said, that's somebody you can give loyalty to. When the leader says, keep your integrity, but above all else, do what's right, keep your integrity, you know, keep me in line. If you see, if your integrity sees me getting out of line, give me your integrity. Yeah. And that's like that one statement, you could put that lens on everything that's going on in the world today. And it's a pretty powerful statement. So, so it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to contemplate it. It's another thing then to go out and share that and teach others and then put it in as a principle. And so that's, that's really what I, what I try to do with the reading. Well, you bring up two points for me. One, I was a kid when my, to speak of my dad again, Dan Miller went to a conference or he was going to a conference and I must've, you know, was a little kid do how, you know, how much it cost? And he said $500. So this would have been in the, maybe around 1980, maybe, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. So $500, I don't know what that is in inflation, 1500 bucks today, something like that. Anyways, I, at the time I said, Oh my, are you kidding me? How on earth can a one day, two day, whatever thing you're going to, how can you spend that much? And he came, he responded with, if I learn one idea I can apply to my business, I can expect that it's going to make me $5,000, maybe $50,000. And it really put that on, on my head to think of, yeah, if I can pull out one thing, if I can go through a book and come out with one thing that sticks, uh, it's powerful. So I appreciate you saying that. Hey, I I'll tell you, I, one of the reasons I love this role that I have as a podcast host is so much of my work is taking somebody's book, reviewing it, creating notes to craft a good show. Then I get to do the show and talk with the author who spent their life blood, you know, creating this book generally. I get to talk and dig deep on the things that I'm interested in. Then days later, I recap it because now I've got to create the show and I go do the intro. Hey, here's what we talked about. So I get those three times and it does so much wonders for having it stick in my brain, having certain things stand out. And what I'll often do is bring it to my family. Yesterday, Tom, I, let's see, this is going to be show 886. I think I think the next show, 887, will be one I did. My second one with Michael Jr. I don't think I even told you about it. I did it with, he's got a new book out. So did the show uh, with him. So I got his book. It's called um, Funny How Life Works. I reviewed the book, reviewed, you know, his social media, everything he's doing right now, made my notes. We did the show together, talked about it. And of course, so much more comes out during the show. Uh, and then I, I, on that one, I haven't even done the recap yet because I hung up and with him or, you know, stopped the zoom call with him and right away had some points. And I talked to, I sent it in the family text. So guys, this is what I actually, you know what? No, I didn't. I wrote some things, but then I had to run and I did it this morning. And I said, guys, yesterday I, I talked with, uh, Michael jr. Here's something he said that really stuck out to me. And this is why that's so that's a, that's a gift that I get to do that. That's part of my work that I get to do, but for all of us to look at. So the number one thing, when I ask people about what did they spend money on in regards to their you know personal growth? Now I said business or, or whatnot, but their personal growth, number one was books. And I would say, if you're spending money on them, I would, as Jeff Bayless said, I would marry that with how much time then do you spend 
reviewing, recapping, pulling out and go, what is, like you said, Tom, what is one thing I can take action on one thing that I'm going to make a shift on that I'm going to make a growth from, I would say that's worth, that would be taking that time would be worth not reading the next new book. Maybe cut your book reading in half. I don't know. Again, we can play with the math and it depends on the person. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode on where we spend our money on business growth right now. And further, how are we actively engaging with and learning the information we are paying to expose ourselves to? I probably go through three or four credits a month on Audible uh, on average. And some of it is with the intent to improve personal development and learn. Others is to... You know, we've talked about James Martin. I love his writing style and Charles Martin, Charles Martin. Yep. Yep. Love his. But here's one more thing out of that book, Boyd. Okay. Cause I got to follow through on what I tell okay. people to do. So there's a thing called an OODA loop. Have you ever heard of an OODA loop? I have not heard of an OODA loop. So it's a model uh, that you can use to look at a situation. And OODA stands for observe, orient, decide, act. Okay. Observe its situation, orient yourself in it. Where am I in this situation? Decide what you're going to do and then act. And so he was a, a pilot and he taught uh, fighter pilots how to fight, you know, how to dogfight, how to. And so the OODA loop, so he really got into the mental side of it, you know, like the art of war and everything else. And, and he believed the, the war was Battle's first one in the mind, okay? And so when you go through the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act, in a fighter combat situation, usually what you say is, okay, this is the situation. This is where I am in the situation. I'm going to do this maneuver, and then you take the action. Now, here's the interesting thing. If the goal of war is to win it in the mind, the natural way to do something is to, okay, this is my action. And usually people will take the course of action that they believe that they have the most skill and proficiency in. Right. Right. Because that's going to give me the biggest chance of success. However, if the goal is to win the battle of the mind, then the most likely action you should take is the one that they least expect. Because okay. if you take the action they least expect, then their OODA loop is going to be slow. Their ability to observe, orient, decide, and act is going to be slowed down because what they were anticipating didn't happen. Right. And so when whether it's football or sports or business, you see this over and over again. People who are very, very familiar with this strategy – when they compete, they do the unexpected, which makes the competition react to the unexpected. Unexpected, but what it really does is it is it slows down their ability to counterattack. Interesting. <clears throat> and so, even in a relationship, we see it all the time in coaching. Uh, if somebody's really struggling with the breakthrough, they're so good at parrying and defending the typical questions that get asked in that situation, the questions that we're really comfortable with. It is the unexpected question from a different perspective or angle that breaks them out of that state. 
And so this is why spending $15 on an audible credit for a book like this, that's a, that's a biography is unbelievable return on investment. Yeah. yeah. Because the next time you're trying to, the next time you're trying to figure out how to win a deal, let's say you're the little guy trying to get the big deal and your competition is more established than everything else. Are you going to win the deal by, by going in with the expected? Are you going to win the deal by going in with the unexpected? Well, you make me think of the shows that I do with people like Michael Jr. And I did it yesterday. You know, a guy like that, he's got a book coming out. He's doing the tour, man. He's doing all the interviews. And that is my thought is what am I going to pull out of him? That's different than anybody else. That's going to be unique. And the win for me is when I asked that question, he did this a couple of times yesterday. I'm, I'm blessed and humbled to say where he said, man, I haven't thought about that before. Or, Hmm, I've never been asked that before. Or, Gosh, that's a great question. And, and I hear the, I can hear it in the spirit. You know, sometimes they can say, oh, that's a great question and blah, blah, blah. And you're going, ah, they're, they're, you know, they're being sweet, but it wasn't really. Uh, but to hear, to hear the pause, uh, I like that. Hey, I do want to point something out though, that as we are doing this show and folks, I, you know, I craft these shows, I prepare, you know, kind of prepare us. And, and Tom uh, is so brilliant that he just candidly comes on and gives his best. And the reason, because you are always bringing in good content. So a minute ago, when you start to explain, this oodle thing, you're looking down to your left. What are you looking at? Cause you have notes out there and it just happens to be, you're participating in something, engaging, investing in something that is all you always are. That's relevant to what we're talking about. So what were you looking at? Just notes on a computer or is it on, yeah, the-, on the computer? So I remembered OODA loop. And so I just Googled OODA loop and there's the diagram right there of what it is. Uh, so that's how I remember it. That's what I have to do because most of my books are on Audible. Um, And so that's how I remember. I'll either write a note down in a separate document or I'll just kind of memorize the catchphrase so I can go look it up later. That's great. That's great. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say this guy created the uh, theory of energy uh, that revolutionized the way aircraft are built yeah. and manufactured. And I mean, it's just unbelievable what he, what he did. And it's, it's, we get stuck in things and, and we keep going back to the same sources and literally like Bob Bodine said, you know, everybody you need to know, yeah. you just got to call out and say, Hey, I'm stuck on this. Help me out with this. And there's somebody, you know, who can help you help you, help you break through it. So I love it. And, and awesome. to me, the only way I remember it is if I use it. Yeah. So I got, I got to put it in and use it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the classic message we've heard from your dad, Zig Ziglar, that he read a book and then his goal then, right. Was to go out and share, he would read it in the, in the, in the spirit of what can I take and impart to others. And we, you know, we all heard that, that the best way to learn something is to help somebody else learn it, to teach it in essence. So, you know, books can't say enough about investing in those and having a healthy diet though. I would just cash that with also taking that time investment to then think through that and have what's going to stick. What am I going to change? What is the benefit? Because I am guilty. Again, I'm preaching to the choir of having a book and realize, man, it inspired me. It convicted me at times and I was eager to get, keep reading. And then the weeks go by and what, what changed? I, what did I take captive? I have to make the effort to take something captive or it was, you know, it was inspiring. There's a benefit of course, but, um, 
What did I actually take action on? Well, the second one, Tom, the second most uh, uh, referred answer here to what did you spend money on was coaching. So a lot of people uh, spend it on coaching. And I asked some people, we had some people who did it, you know, through an organization or through some online stuff. Some people who had a literal you know, person that they contracted with uh, for coaching. And that is one where I feel like the relevance of coaching, here's my, my, my stick on, or my advocacy for coaching these days is we're at a time and it's not a great, uh, not a great reference to our culture right now where people are more isolated than ever. We're super connected. We got lots of pseudo friends on social media and whatever, but we know the stats and we are more isolated than ever. We have less deep relationships, intimate relationships, meaningful relationships than ever. And a lot of incredible people, I know incredible people who still find themselves in there, even if they desire it. That means if we are doing that as a culture, that means that even if you are the type of person who desires that, who understands this, it is harder to do that. I find that it is harder, Tom, for me, it is harder to get guys to spend time together. It's harder to get face-to-face time. We're busier. We're more apt to just, you know, there's so many things. We crowd our plates. We don't have margin and we've lost the value of that. And so guys aren't apt. I say guys, cause I don't generally go out and hang with women by myself uh, other than my wife. Uh, so, you know, they're, but they're less apt to, and I get I can get caught up in that as well. So with that said, so if we have less face-to-face peer time, peer opportunity, peer growth, we would have the same, you know, less with mentors, with people who can give us wisdom. We're doing that less. And then when we hear the message on how powerful human interaction and training and teaching and gleaning is, we often don't know where to turn. Coaching is the place you can do that. You pay for it, which I think there too, sometimes that's even better because you are paying for it. You put more gravity into that investment. So you make it a bigger priority, but that's a place out there. And we have a lot of people that even from a friend standpoint are hurting and they go get counseling. So they have somebody who they can talk to deeply. I am going to uphold those coaching and counseling. Now, if somebody says, well, gosh, those are just substitutes. You should have those rich relationships in your life. I'm totally an advocate of that as well. The point is a lot of people don't more and more people don't. And I'm not going to point fingers and chastise for that because I see less of that sometimes in my own life, because again, we get busy. It's, it's part of the culture. It's more difficult. So coaching and consulting, I'm going to lift up uh, over here. And I'll tell you one of the, things that my dad always told me, he says, you watch out if you've got a coach or a consultant or a counselor, who's not also getting coaching, consulting and counseling. Uh, you're, you, you want to find one that's also doing that, which we had, let me scroll down here. Philip Hatfield, one of our, what do we say? Our Ziegler champions, Philip Hatfield. He says, I always invest in good business and personal coaching, even though I am a business and personal coach. So that's something that I see the best of the best. I don't know if I've ever had anybody. Maybe I have. Maybe there's an exception. Have I ever had one of these superstars on the show who does not talk about the coaching, the mentoring, the counseling, the consulting, whatever that they have gotten and they give credit to for where they are and that they are currently getting 
And I see more and more people now that it feels like that's the, that's one of the main things they're looking for. Man, where can I get the next great coach? Michael Jr. yesterday talked to me about that, about masterminds and coaches and just looking for more people to glean from. Uh, so Tom, I mean, you know, again, you're, you're, you lead a coaching organization, but so admitting the bias there, but it's also because you believe in it. You've seen yeah. the value. Yeah. So here's something interesting. Uh, one of the people that I coach, we were on the phone a couple of days ago and he had told me about a month ago, he was changing accountants and there were some issues with his, his accountant he'd been using for four or five years, just kind of stale, not really doing any extra. And, and, and John has a, a, a very successful uh, insurance agency. And so on the phone call, he says, Tom, man, I love this new accountant. He, he dug this up and that, and he's, he's switching this. And then this is really cool. Okay. So don't forget your accountants, your attorneys, whatever you're doing in your life and in your business, these can be coaches too. So he said, he said, my accountant looked at all my numbers and he made this comment. He said, he said, John, whenever you invest in yourself through coaching, your revenue goes up. Hmm. So this accountant was kind of doing a forensic, you know, just overview. And he said, look here. And a number of years ago, uh, John did a, a, a speaking event in, in Wichita, Kansas and invited myself up another and David Wright on our team up. And he, and he hosted it and he brought all of his clients, all of his, you know, uh, friends and everybody else he could to this event and he had a huge bump in business after that. And so he had an investment in that. And then we have an ongoing coaching relationship. And his accountant was like, look, you need to keep doing that. There's nothing I can see that's better for your business than this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And so most of our stuff is via Zoom. Uh, but he's actually traveling into, hey, we're going to coach tomorrow and we're going to have fun tomorrow. So, you know, and it's funny how, how the, 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 the ideas a lot of times come in the fun, right? We're, we, we get serious about stuff and then we, and then we go a little bit extra and we have some fun and that's when the stuff comes. So yeah. I'm, I'm just such a huge believer in when you invest in yourself, the likelihood of following through versus free, it's just, it's, you know, free stuff, there's occasions for it, but it's almost in the coaching world, it's almost a guaranteed nothing's going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. And I've told that story before and I saw it firsthand as a kid with my dad when he started coaching and he finally came. He had started doing some in a church, which often is done with no cost or whatnot. But later on when he was charging, he would still be prone to take somebody. It was a friend. It was somebody who was down and out, whatever. And he would say, Hey, I'll just do it on the house. And he quit doing that because he says invariably when I don't charge, they don't show up. Those are my biggest no shows, my biggest non follow throughs. So he got to the point at one point saying, I'm going to charge, even if I don't want the money, even if I'm going to give it to charity, I'm going to charge for their benefit because they won't invest in it. So I, yeah, when you look at coaching and, you know, I will say that too, that, well, here, I don't, maybe you can, you can give a thought to this because to some degree, to a decent degree, if your life is on the line, do you want the $50 an hour lawyer 
or the $5,000 an hour lawyer or the $50,000 an hour lawyer. Uh, you know, to, to some degree, you want as much as you can ab- absolutely afford. There is something to be said with coaching. The best coaches, the best counselors uh, that, that I've known are the ones that charge the most because they can. And sometimes it's not only just because they can, but it's just a for them, it's a supply and demand. And they can't say yes to everybody. And they get this many if they're getting three times more requests then they can they can handle a lot of times you know they'll increase the cost that'll narrow down and they get a, it helps filter out the type of clientele yada yada we can go down that but you know that Tom that there is something to be said for you get what you pay for with coaching though there's also a lot of great coaches out there who aren't charging enough so maybe you'll get a good deal <laughs> uh, you know the next one here Tom I th- I think the next highest one was online classes and courses. And those are more and more all the time, uh, just like a coach, you know, they need to be vetted, but you can get a lot of value. This is somebody taking most people with a book, uh, or a lot of people with a book are also creating a course. So here's what I'm, I'm doing that as well. So here's my, you know, my, my book's going to be here and there's going to be the opportunity to go, Hey, if you want to actually take action on this, work it through, we'll help you do that. Here's a course. And I'll give you the opportunity to get a little bit more information on those and more so to ask questions, to actually engage and say, okay, I hear you on this principle, this, this issue, how do I apply it to X? Cause we all think that we are unique in our situations. And in truth, we are all unique in our situations. That's like Dr. Randy James, my co-host on the True Life Show, and Tom and, and uh, you're, you're our, our doctor, that with functional medicine, there is no one size fits all. We are all incredibly complex and unique and glorious in that. And in that, we need different applications. And it's it, it, the, the prescriptions are unique for us. So engaging with an online class and a course is great. And it often will come with some interaction, some guidance from a leader and often will come with a community. So you get online people engaging as well. So again, I'm a huge fan uh, of those. I probably do a couple a year, uh, different courses that I'll do. And I'll often then pay for the person who's doing it to also engage with me in it. 100%. And I love the courses with, um, the expert teaching and the interaction. Yeah. Uh, I will do that eight times more often than just a static course. Yeah. Right. Because to me, a book is the complete thing. And I'd rather listen to a book while I'm on the elliptical and get the content that way. Uh, Because quite frankly, what I love is being in a room with an expert with other people like me on different journeys, different questions and hearing them ask questions. <laughs> yeah. And then hearing the expert respond to them because to me, context is everything. Yeah. You know, if you are a, you know, late twenties kids at home, mom or dad, and you're starting a business, you're in a different scenario than a single person starting a business or a 50 year old second or third career starting a business. Yeah. And so when you, when you hear the interaction and the context, that's, that's the power. There's probably, you know, pound for pound, dollar for dollar. I just really can't think of a a better value than that. Cause a lot of these courses are nearly free. Yeah. You know, 
it's the money and uh, that it's just it's just inexpensive yeah uh, so I, I love it I mean I, I, I love that area uh, one of the lessons that we had to learn at Ziegler um, we used to produce you know these courses that you know we would spend fifty thousand dollars on the set we would go into at a professional studio, we would script it out. We'd have three cameras, all this stuff going on. And we would have this amazing course, A to Z, everything in it. And then you'd put it in the can, right? So back then it was VHS or DVD. And, yeah. you know, it was a plug and play now ready to go. And when I would market it, we would get yeah, a little bit of a response uh, as soon as the internet hit. But if I said, hey, we're going to have a webinar and I, and I just covered the same outline that was in that can program, we'd fill it up and doing it live. And it's because there's this idea that things are changing and disrupting and moving so fast that I want the live version, even though the amount of material, the professionalism, the everything is probably 30 or 40 percent is what the what the original was. Yeah. Right. But it's just the way we perceive it as being right now. Yeah. And so I, I love the right now uh, as a content creator, uh, being in the room for the people who were in the room. I'd much rather the discussion go around what the people in the room need than what I think is important. Uh, exactly. And that brings us to our next category here. So the next one, and really the culmination of, there was a couple of things that I'll mention, but the culmination was groups. And I'm going to put masterminds in there, masterminds and some semblance of groups. And as I've been auditing some of those and looking at some of these online paid membership groups and masterminds and whatnot, the resounding response of what they get the most value in. Well, here, I actually, here's, here's one that was posted for this question. Faye Bryant, she said courses and conferences, and she had recently joined the 48 days Eagles. That's my dad, Dan Miller. That's his membership groups group membership group. And I asked specifically, what do you appreciate most out of the Eagles group? And she said the energy, helpful information, the help and the encouragement, uh, as I have audited to that by overwhelmingly the response is just what you said, Tom. It's not that, Oh my gosh, they have 15 years of archived content to slog through. Uh, people don't want that I anymore. What they appreciate is the next engagement. What's happening right now. They're having a webinar. Just like you said, they're talking about this issue right now. This is something that somebody's dealing with that I get to audit or be a part of or engage with, or I get to ask my own question or engage with my own needs and get that response right now. But it's dealing with those things. And you can, my gosh, it, it makes sense. I mean, to think about talking about some aspects of business in something that was recorded two years ago, even a year and a half ago, you might find completely different, if not, not at least a little bit altered or completely different information today as a result of still being in this pandemic. And, you know, things change. So it is relevant. But yeah, to what you said, Tom, it's also just part of our human nature to want what is new and right now. I mean, why is that? That we can bypass the most classic movies. We really want what's the one that just came out that we can just watch. My family just did that. We, I can't remember what it was. We just uh, actually I signed up for some online thing because. 
Denzel Washington had a new movie and it was only available on whatever streaming thing that we did. And I wanted to see the latest Denzel wasn't near as good as some of his old stuff, but I wanted to see the latest one, you know, what's new and right now. And so when you go to these masterminds and these online paid memberships, that is generally the great, the thing that is most valued from the paying customers, paying members is the immediacy of it, the engagement of it, the personal uh, personality of it. Being with kindred spirits is sometimes uh, held up as much as having the access to that leader themselves. And I remember that back when I had my own paid membership, there were so often questions and topics that came up that were answered and taken care of by the members before I got there. And sometimes it was answered far better than what I had an answer for myself. Uh, It's powerful to have a group of kindred spirits. I mean, that's what made Weight Watchers the most successful weight loss entity of all time. It's what made AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the most powerful groups ever is that shared right now context. Yep. And our, uh, with our inner circle small business group with Howard Partridge, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many of our inner circle members do life together now. Yeah. Uh, We've had birthdays and trips and, you know, all these, you know, weddings and all these different people who met through this business, small business owner community and coaching and group coaching. And, and now they get, they go to each other's uh, daughters and kids weddings and, and tragedies, you know, that, that we go through in life where the Facebook will get posted. And so, a member who's in that community shows up at the hospital and, and says, how can I help? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just an amazing thing. So the, in a mastermind to me, um, you bring innovative ideas in and the participants of the mastermind, you learn more from the people who you're rubbing elbows with around the circle than you do from the expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a good mastermind is the ones I've seen, Tom, are primarily peers. Maybe there's a facilitator, somebody who instigated it, but they are primarily made up of peers who have equal, equal things they can, equal value they can bring to the table to impart to everybody. So one of the things, you know, just kind of open the curtain up a little bit um, in our coaching, in our Ziegler coaching system. So we have these coaches who come in, they get, they get licensed to, to teach our material and as a coach, we teach them the process. We give them all the foundation. We give them the material. There's online classes. There's open office hours. And there's these every two weeks, we have kind of a special expert come in on an area. And then we just started the thing called Ziggler Master Coach. And the Ziggler Master Coach are, you know, it's, it's this these 12 different things that any coach would do to build their coaching practice. Right. And so it's, it's not like it's, it's not a check the box scenario. It's things you're probably going to do anyway, if you're going to build a coaching practice, but we just wanted to recognize our uh, coaches who do it right. Give them a, give them a master coach. And so we get the community together and say, how should we do this? And somebody says, and this is fantastic, but this should take at least six months, right? I mean, you should be a part of it. And then you should, you should be a master coach coach. In other words, you're going to put, you're going to, you're going to do this and then you're going to get back to the community. And then somebody else said, we should get together 
in a mastermind for the master coaches. And so, so now this community's come together and I lead this mastermind of all our coaches. And basically every other week we just say, Hey, what's, what's your biggest challenge, your biggest obstacle that's holding you back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. And you've got this community of people who want to help every other person there. And it's kind of cool when you get a group of people who love it when those around them win. It's like, it's, it's like a group win. And yeah. so that's how a great mastermind should work is everybody's there to learn and grow and to first serve the other people in the mastermind. And when that happens, it's, I can't tell you how many, uh, how much business is done with each other out of those masterminds and how many okay ideas turn into game changers mm-hmm. because of people from different industries and different uh, years of experience say, what about this? What about that? It's, it's really, maybe, maybe I should do it. Maybe we should do a mastermind. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. There's so much power, uh, in them and you know, it, you gotta, you gotta vet who you're getting involved with and look at that. And I've seen some where they have diversity in them and some that will have affinity groups, people that are, you know, similar in some ways, but usually some qualifications, but yeah, just incredible testimony that I hear from them. Well, well Tom, overall, again, I put this out there out of a, some initial curiosity and to see where are people putting money into actually spending money now, but I'm going to give a call out to what Jeff said that time is money as well. But I'm going to say, I do, I do want to caveat that Tom to say, it's not just the time of taking in, you know, more and more information. Cause we can do that with podcasts and, and audios and do that, and not really engage with it. So I'm going to say that time, if you're investing, if you're going to equate time with money in that sense, it's the time where you're actually in, I'm going to say that engaging with the material and figuring out how can I then not just take it in, but apply it because I think it's part of humanity, but I continually am aware. I used to be really surprised. Now I'm not as surprised uh, that I can take in so much knowledge and not apply it. You know, and, and I say that to be, you know, I can, uh, to be uh, honest with that, but it is. And it just impresses upon me that if I don't take the proactive time investment to apply it, it can just go one in, 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 it can sit in there, but I don't do anything with it. And Tom, I actually testified that in the two weeks where I was really putting the culmination of my book together, I told my wife, I said, man, I am, I am amazed at how much knowledge I have. I have a wealth up here from all this time. And I'm also amazed at how I have not taken action on so much of it. It was an incredibly convicting time to go through. It was a big paradigm shift. And, and I've been talking about, we just did a show in the true life show about op- upgrading your OS, your operating system, that time away when I was able to realize that and be thinking on that. I also did a lot of saying, man, I want to change this. Uh, but I'm often amazed that if I don't take the proactive time to apply the information, I can take it in. It can still be up there, but I haven't really made a change. And I think at the end of the day, we all really want to see ourselves make those positive changes and the knowledge alone isn't going to do it. It's great. Got to start there, but then we have to actually do something with the investment, right? Yep. You know, Howard Partridge asked me, uh, what do you think my brand is? You know, cause we, cause we're just talking about it. And so I thought for a second and I said, you know what? It's, it's FTI. 
which stands for failure to implement. Yeah. Howard is the master at getting small business owners to implement systems. Yeah. And his quote is, is the number one reason small business owners don't do as well as they should is they don't implement. So you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, whatever it, whatever you have to do to make sure you implement, whatever you have to do to make sure you take action, do it. That's how I wrote the book. I said, I'm going to write a thousand words yeah. before I eat anything. Yep. <laughs> so, well, and even, even to your quote, how many years has it been now? Three years or whatever it was when you're on stage, Tom, what's the, what's the quickest way to success? And the answer was replace a bad habit with a good habit. And you didn't put a timeline or an amount. You said replace one and, and you didn't say every day. What if it's every week? What if it's once a month? I mean, for some people it could be once every quarter at once, every quarter. Can you at three months time, can you replace one bad habit? With one, that would be life changing over time. You did again. I, I like that you made it baby steps in that sense, or it can be, or it can be, you know, huge, whatever. But man, are we making those incremental, progressive steps to implement? I like it. Let's go implement, Tom. All right. I enjoyed our time with the greatest podcast host in all the land. <sighs> Thank you, my brother. It would be great to hear what methods you use to apply the knowledge that you see and hear. You can even message me on Facebook or send a note at my website, kevinmiller.co. Coming up next in episode 887 of The Ziggler Show, I have a treat for you. For the second time, I have comedian and actor Michael Jr. on the show. He has starred in movies. He shared the stage with the best comedians in the world. But Michael's known for being a comedic thought leader, producing comedy that inspires and comedy with a purpose. As you laugh and are entertained, you open yourself up and allow Michael to help activate your purpose. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.